0: Hello, I'm Alberto Salvato. Welcome to Crime Time, a Virginia criminal law podcast. I'm here with Anna Dvorcek, Anthony Norse, and Ann Thayer. Enjoy the show.
1: So here it is, legal disclaimer, because we are lawyers and we've got to write one. So if you are listening to this podcast, Thank you. We sincerely hope you are listening to this podcast for its entertainment value and not with the intention of acquiring legal advice for any individual case or situation. I mean, come on, you wouldn't take advice from someone you have never met or spoken to directly, right? If you were bleeding profusely, you wouldn't listen to a podcast in hopes of a bandage somehow materializing over the Internet and onto your 3D printer. Seeking actual legal advice can be just as important as a tourniquet. The hosts of this podcast are in no way intending to create an attorney-client relationship with any listener. Sorry, we are sure you all are great people, but we cannot stress enough how little we know of you and your case, and rather than risk an awkward moment, let us just remember we have never met. Nothing on this platform should be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. We are just a group of friends with differing opinions and viewpoints, which we will try to explore through discussions of current events, law changes, and whatever else floats our fancy
0: in this episode, they made me do it. I'm going to talk about entrapment. I've had many, many clients come in and say, man, the police officer entrapped me into doing this and doing that. Well, it's not really as easy as that. Simply saying the word entrapment is not necessarily going to help you in your criminal case. Entrapment is defined by when the police officers or law enforcement induce you or persuade you to commit a crime through trickery, persuasion, or fraud. The government must actively convince you to commit the crime that you would not otherwise commit. And oftentimes when you see this is on cases, and not all cases involving this, but you see this on cases with distribution of drugs, or even, unfortunately, child pornography cases. Uh These defenses are very hard to prove in the court system, especially in Virginia, especially in Fairfax County. Have you all had experiences with that?
2: I haven't had entrapment cases per se, but I've had clients like you that try to say, well, the officer entrapped me into, you know, whatever. And you have to look at those specific facts. It just depends on what the
1: facts of the case are. Sure. I mean, I've definitely had situations that are generally in prostitution cases and the ones that I've been successful and I haven't necessarily fully raised in entrapment defense, but it's definitely brought up in in negotiation. So Virginia has said that there's a distinction between police conduct that merely affords an opportunity for the commission of an offense and creative activity that implants in the mind of an otherwise innocent person's disposition to commit an offense and includes it commission in order to prosecute. So like in a prostitution case, I've had cases where I've had somebody offer to do something of sexual nature, but is not prostitution. So for prostitution, there's Usually has to be an offer for oral sex or real sex.
2: And money. There and, an and there
1: has to be money. It has to be obviously for pay. And I had a situation where the defendant was charged with prostitution. The defendant offered a sexual act that was not the sex or oral sex. And the officer said, Well, how about this much more money if you give me oral sex? And the defendant doesn't say anything, but seems to act like she's going to acquiesce. And that's when a bunch of officers come in and arrest her. And I won that case on the facts that it, she didn't accept this offer of prostitution or a solicitation, but the officer's action of soliciting her as a prostitute was actually a crime. That is the criminal behavior that if any of us went and solicited someone to do something, to have sex with somebody for money, that is itself a crime, even if the person doesn't accept. So that case would arguably be a situation where The defendant was not intending to cross that threshold, and the officer did that extra action to induce or entice that person to commit a crime. And in that case, the officer actually committed a crime to get that person to commit a crime. So that would be one of the few instances where I would say entrapment would be a defense.
0: And I'll give you an example of when it would not be a defense. Let's say in a drug distribution case, you have a a drug dealer who... Gets a phone call from an undercover agent. And that undercover agent says, I want to meet somewhere to commit, you know, to, to buy some drugs. And, you know, this is how much I'll pay. And that drug dealer ends up going to that place. The drug dealer can't think, can't then say, well, no, no, they entrapment me. I wouldn't have gone there. The fact of the matter is, it opens the door for the Commonwealth attorney or for the prosecutor to say, wait a second, you have a pest of dealing drugs. You would have been there if it was anybody else. The police didn't use any trickery. They didn't use any persuasion other than a phone call that says, hey, I got some money. Do you want to sell me the drugs? Uh, That does not rise up to the level of entrapment. The same thing can be said on a child pornography case. It doesn't matter that the police officer is actually pretending to be a child Uh, when they reach out to someone through Snapchat or some other social media. What the courts have said is like, look, as soon as the individual realizes that the person they're speaking to they believe to be underage, they should just stop the communication. They should just stop trying to reach out. Now I could see maybe a case where the police officers then use a different number and try to reach out to that person insisting and then you know saying, look, I'm actually 17. I'm not really, you know, this and that. And they keep insisting, insisting, insisting. And the guy stops communication, but then they change the number again and they go after him. Maybe you have a chance, but I still think it's going to be pretty hard to prove entrapment in that case because of the underlying crime that we're dealing with at the end of the day you know no matter how much you persuade it to do it i think you should you know just keep shutting off that line of communication
1: yeah i mean and i think oftentimes, you a- go ahead i
0: was just gonna say oftentimes with the drug cases i know the detectives will set up more than one meeting before they actually make the arrest i think that's possibly just to lock it in that there was previous behavior
1: right and i think you're trying to build the trust and to figure out perhaps where, where you know, once you've done this several times when you decide, hey, I'm going to start doing an arrest. And if you want that person to become an informant, say, I've got you on this many hand-to-hands already, you know, how about you help yourself out by giving us some names? And that gives them leverage in that type of discussion.
0: I had a trial, and I won't name any names. Well, let's just say, I, I, hypothetically, I had a jury trial. And it involves selling, it was charged with, hypothetically, with selling stolen goods. And he had a whole bunch of tools. He was advertising on Marketplace, advertising on any other social media that involves selling. Craigslist, and I can't remember the other one that's called Trade Up or something like that. It doesn't matter. Well, the police saw they had a lot of tools. So they just assumed and they said, well, he must be, he must be dealing, he must be stealing these things and selling them. So they set up a buy. They reached out to him by text and they said, let's meet over at a shopping mall. And this undercover agent, was trying to sell him more tools and said, "Look, I have a whole bunch of tools here. I work at Home Depot, and they fell off the truck." Basically, well, this person got caught. Says, "No, no, 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 absolutely not. I don't want any trouble." And he's trying to leave. I have no issue. I have no desire to do any of this. He literally was trying to leave. Well, this police officer, this agent, starts saying, "Well, look, my I have a a family. My child is sick. My mother is dying. I need. I really need this money." And again, I don't want. Anything to do, that's this is what the defendant says. I don't want anything to do with this. He's trying to leave, trying to leave, trying to leave. Well, in the audio that was recorded, it was no less than 10 to 15 times where this undercover agent was trying to convince him to do it. And finally he acquiesced. And he said, Okay, I'll, I'll buy this and that. It was kind of almost to appease him. Well, I, you know, the argument that I had for the jury, and they they obviously bought it, or else I wouldn't be telling the story, was yeah, I said, Look, this county took a law-abiding citizen and turned him into a criminal for the sake of having a case and that's exactly what what was happening so you know that's that was a pretty good entrapment and i think one of the few ones that actually worked in this particular county uh, after a jury trial but it really has to go beyond the whole person it's not just persuasion it's not just trickery you can do that by pretending but you have to prove that the person wouldn't have done this crime or never even thought about this crime before being contacted by the police. Hopefully, that makes sense.
1: It and it's not to say that people don't feel trapped when they get tricked by the police. And by the way, the police are allowed to legitimately trick you. And so, a lot of times, our clients come in and we're like, I was in trap. I would never have gone along with this had I known the guy I was selling to was an undercover cop. I'm like, Yeah, he trapped you. He tricked you. That doesn't mean that you didn't have that guilty intent at the beginning. And that's a big piece of it. And it's a little bit more of a gray area in the soliciting of a minor under this certain age, which Alberta was talking about earlier. It feels weird that we're very much manufacturing crimes. In that case, having detectives reach out to people, there's no evidence these people would ever have reached out to 13 or 14 year olds. Before that, the detective reached out on social media and and the internet for a lot of people doesn't feel real. It feels like this place where they can just be someone else. Well, it's not. It's a place where the police hang out. And it's a place where Lots of other bad things hang out. And, you know, if you want to have a fantasy world, literally just leave it in your mind. Don't go on the internet. But there's a lot of times our clients feel tricked and they were, and it's totally legit. And there may be other defenses they have, but entrapment is just not one of them.
2: And the other thing is like I've heard people say it in a DUI case or reckless driving, the officer asked me how fast I was going, that's entrapment, or the officer maybe do these field tests, like, that's entrapment. The officer didn't induce anybody to be speeding or driving under the influence of drugs or alcohol. And that isn't an entrapment, but I've had people try to claim it was and say, But I wouldn't have done those tests, but for them telling me to, or why'd he ask me that? Like they're using that statement against me. Those are all different issues. It's not entrapment, but people don't understand what the elements of entrapment are. And that was kind of the purpose of this episode.
0: I have a hypothetical. That's correct. It's not hypothetical. I saw this. It's not my client. It was pro se. I just want to hear what you all think. He was detained. I don't think he was handcuffed, but he was detained by the police and told not to leave. And he kept telling the police, I have to go to the bathroom. I have to urinate. I have to go. I have to go. I have to go. I actually saw his trial. He went without an attorney and explained to the judge why he was charged with urinating in public and he raised he said judge i was entrapped and i actually think it's a really good argument that he made he said while i was detained i kept telling them i need to go to the bathroom let me go to the bathroom let me go inside here let me go inside there and the police naturally are saying no we're not going to let our eyes off of you but they didn't also give him the opportunity or, or tell him, look we'll follow you into this restroom and ultimately he couldn't wait anymore and urinated right there next to the police officers who of course were probably angry and felt it was contempt of cop and they charged him with the urination in public but not
2: really a thing contempt of cop that is
0: a thing i've seen reason. it is a thing you see many times if somebody questions a police officer or is rude to the police officer insulting the police officer gets angry and charges them with maybe not just reckless driving but also improper lane change or you know, like instead or of obstruction the one, the, or, or, or disorderly yeah like it just the list goes on and on, but anyhow, I think that actually is a legitimate entrapment case because he wasn't predisposed to peeing in public.
1: I don't well, know. It's not really entrapment because he wasn't induced by the police to do it. They? they just weren't listening to him, so it's not really like I'm not looking at the statute because obviously there are certain things that can be charged. I think that's a county code offense because it's not in the state code. That's why, like, this troopers always have to charge indecent exposure for peeing on the side of the highway. I don't know if they fix that, but I don't think it's entrapment versus just, like, there's a necessity.
0: But why why wasn't he (laughs) induced when they said, we're not, you know, here we are, you can't leave, you can't go anywhere.
1: But that's not inducing him to pee in public. It's just, like, he couldn't hold it. Like, that's an involuntary bodily function.
0: Right, I don't think they gave him the idea to commit that crime.
1: <laughs> right, they didn't give him. That's a good
2: point.
0: Unless they, <laughs> you know, no, I didn't tell you this part of it. They had him drink somebody's, seven Alberto, cans. Of beer.
2: Somebody's like moving stuff around.
0: <laughs> Is it me? Yes.
2: Yeah. How come every time there's
0: a noise, they all everyone comes up to me and says it's you?
1: <laughs> you may be entrapped into making a noise. All right. Well, that's a terrible. That's a terrible example, then, because now
0: you guys are right.
1: But that goes into, like, the police weren't listening. Like, you feel like it's something the police did to cause you to be charged with something. Doesn't make it entrap. trap. And yeah, I think it was th- an important conversation. I thought it was a very helpful example. But Alberta. I
0: think they were, they induced him, I guess, the crime. You're right. The crime is, you're not, not inducing. It's not trickery, for sure. It's not persuasion, for sure.
1: They didn't want him to pee there. They didn't believe <gasps> he had to pee. Like, they didn't believe him, they thought he could hold it.
0: You're right. It's almost like resisting an unlawful arrest. You can, no, it's not. It's nothing like that. It's like necessity. Like, he just
1: catches,
0: like, literally necessity.
1: necessity. How
0: about duress? Does duress work on that?
1: (laughs) No, I don't. Look, all I know is he should be found not guilty. That is some ridiculous stuff. So the
0: the answer to the story is depends, as if he probably should have been
1: wearing depends. (laughs) I should have been wearing depends. All right. Well, any last words, people? Uh,
0: no, nothing uh, on that. Entrapment is very hard to to defend. We've already covered that. It's a really difficult defense. I was able to do it without putting my client on the stand, which I think is pretty difficult for an entrapment case. And always be careful if you do raise that, then it opens the door for the Commonwealth of the prosecutors to to really look at your record and possibly enter that as evidence against you, even though normally it is not. You know, it's propensities. So if you've been a drug dealer before, then I think they can make that comment and they can introduce it to the jury. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us on Crime Time. Please join us again for our next episode.
2: If you enjoy our podcast, crime time with Virginia defense attorneys be sure to share our podcast with someone that you know you can find our podcast on most of the major platforms like Spotify Google and Apple as well as some of the smaller podcast platforms we also post on Facebook Instagram Twitter and LinkedIn so you can find our episodes there every week on Tuesday at 9 a.m if you want to leave us a review or a comment and tell us what topics you'd like to hear about we always welcome feedback and we're always looking for new ideas and guests to bring on to our show we hope you keep listening and thanks for being a supporter of our podcast.